seen it. All right. Yeah, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the session today, personal branding for accountants and bookkeepers. Um, I've got with me Meryl Johnston and Luke Kemmings. How are you doing both? Hi there. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, really well, mate. Just surviving the, the run through to the end of the year and looking forward to a break, much like everybody tuning in, no doubt, but uh, excited. It's been a great year. Nice. Yeah, thanks for joining. I, I was saying it to my partner earlier that um, I feel like this is the day. It just feels like that day when everyone stops. You know, you just it's always a different day each year. And I just like it's done, isn't it? This year. <laughs> so thanks everyone tuning in. Um, just a bit of housekeeping. So any issues with the sound or anything like technical stuff like that, just bash it into the chat. Um, tell us where you, you, you're dialing in from today. It would be great. I'm in Wanaka, which is a little town, a growing town in the South Island of New Zealand. Where are you based, Mara? I'm on the Gold Coast in Australia. Nice. Great. I moved here for the surf. Great surfing. That's cool. You're in Auckland, hey, Luke? Yeah, I've used the chat there, Auckland for me. I wish I could say Gold Coast, to be honest. That sounds, I'm envious, but I'm getting over there for a few days during uh, Waitangi weekend. Not very Kiwi of me leaving the country to the Gold Coast for Waitangi weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's unpatriotic. Yeah, I feel bad <laughs> now mentioning that. <laughs> um, people coming in from all over the world that's awesome um hello to Stephen in tassie rachel in brisbane um oh there's heaps Stephen in detroit a lot of my favorite music is from detroit need to go there one day um alicia's in long beach in california awesome juliana's in sydney so we've got people from all over the place so thanks for thanks for coming in today we've got a really good session for you um just saying to Marable before you know often we plan these things and Luke and Merrill have never met. They've both got really good personal brands. I'll let you tell everyone about that in, in, in just a second. Um, but yeah, you know, these questions are just going to go live to them. We're just going to keep it a real, um, like a, a real kind of authentic conversation. And so um, we'll do quick introductions. Do you want to go first, Merrill? Sure. So I'm Merrill Johnston, the founder of Bean Ninjas, which is an e-commerce accounting firm. We've got about 30 staff and mainly focusing on US and UK clients these days. And I'm also head of accounting at TeamUp, which helps to helps accounting and bookkeeping firms to recruit Filipino accountants. Awesome. And Luke Kimmies from Next Advisory, we've built from the ground up. We're into year number seven now. So just gone past our sixth birthday. We service clients in the SME space and total team size of eight. Nice. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, you can carry on, Luke. Give me your definition of personal brand. Not your personal brand, maybe, but just what what is a personal brand in one to two sentences? I think it's realistically who you are and what you stand for and how you show up and a little bit of what you believe in and what you want uh, people to think about when they come and deal with you. So, you know, it's probably no different to how we show up in our ordinary lives, then doing that across different channels, whether that be social media, um, emails with clients and things like that, and just trying to coordinate that approach so that we can make it succinct and, and real and authentic. Nice. How about you, Mara? So I think of brand generally as 
what someone says about you when you aren't in the room. So that could be your business, or in this case, we're talking personal brands. So what are colleagues, what what are people that you work with? How would they describe you? And what are they thinking of you? And so I think we can try and curate that when we're building personal brands, but also will be perceived however people are whatever they perceive in terms of reading that content, watching videos, listening to podcasts. So it's yeah, what other people are saying about you or how they describe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. This wasn't one of my questions actually, but I'm just going to throw it in there right at the start. You said authenticity, Luke, and, and I think, you know, you were talking about curation, Meryl. So how much is your personal brand you, like exactly you, and how much of it is a construct I can go first if you like. Yeah. I mean, for me, I couldn't do the nine to five build towards being a partner in an accounting firm. I felt like a fraud and an imposter going into some of the roles that I had, pretending I was somebody in a blue suit that I wasn't. So that didn't really allow me to shine. Uh, Now I've really lent into just who I am. I know that not all clients will gel with that or business owners, sorry. Uh, We swear on our podcast. We swear in videos. We talk about the things that we do outside of work. We are just ourselves. And one of our values at Next Advisory is genuineness. And so for that, us, it comes back to actually just being ourselves. And that's where our magic and work is going to happen. And that's where we can help our clients the best as well. So, you know, I'm sure that there are business owners that look at me and go absolutely no chance that I would use them for my accounting with the way he talks or what he talks about. And for us, we're completely fine with that because it allows us to be our true selves rather than roll around um, in the suit that I don't want to be in or pretending I'm somebody who I'm not. Yeah, I'll jump in with that. I think that's a really good answer. And I I think that when you're marketing, whether it's personal brand or general branding, you want to stand for something. So you want to be authentic and you want to stand for something and that'll repel some people, but it'll also attract some people. And then you'll be working with people that are really attracted to your values and the way that you want to work. So we approach business branding like that at Ninjas with the idea of trying to repel. But when I think about personal brand, I think it's really important to be authentic and to stand for something. I'm also careful. I think people can overshare. So when I talk about curation, you can be authentic without having to share everything. Uh, Sometimes I think people can go too far with what they're sharing on social media and and some things might not be appropriate. So that's what I mean by curation. I think you want to be transparent, honest, authentic, but maybe just curate in terms of how far you're going to go with with sharing things. Yeah. Uh, this is really interesting to me because I've sort of like, I wouldn't say I've struggled with that in the past, but I'm probably a fairly private person in some ways. And there's certain things for me that are like totally off limits. My kids would never put it. I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not down on anyone who does this. I just never put a photo of my kids, their names. It's just off limits for me, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it doesn't mean I'm not authentic when I do the other stuff. It's just, that's where I choose to be authentic and that's where I choose to not be my personal brand. And I think, yeah, th- does that make sense? It does. I've got an example of that. So in the early days of Bean Ninjas, when I was, I wasn't even clear what the strategy was, but I just try to get some clients for the business and get attention. And so I used to write income reports. So I'd write what our income was as a 
first year accounting firm, how many clients we had, what our churn was, we were tracking resp email response times. And so that felt difficult. I, I felt a bit uncomfortable sharing that level of information. And that generated a lot of interest because it was uncommon back then for an accounting firm to be doing that. Uh, but, but eventually, once we'd grown in size, then it didn't feel right to do that anymore. The business was more more successful. I think people enjoyed the struggle more than once we'd been at it a few years. So I stopped doing those. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I've been, well, well, we'll go into some other questions, but I've been thinking about that a lot. The, we want to be entertained as much as they want to be educated, right? So there's that big element. But like, I want to sort of go keep, keep it on the basics for now. And maybe over to you, Luke, um, I know we've had conversations about this, but like, um, what have been the benefits to you of having a personal brand? Because, you know, um, I think people can think it's a bit wishy-washy or whatever, but, you know, we, we were talking about some real tangible, you know, dollars and cents type things. So tell us about them. Yeah, so you know, from our side, what we've seen is that you're building trust in the background. So by the time that people come to talk to you, they've got a bit of that trust authenticity, they know what they're going to be dealing with. And there's a little bit more, it's a, it becomes a little bit easier to sell um, to them, because you've already done the hard yards of putting out content for them, for instance, if that's one way you're doing it or via a podcast, so you're adding value to their life, they're trying things and it's working. And then eventually they move over to actually dealing with you. And that piece comes a bit easier. Um, sometimes they see you as being more authoritative. So then they will take your advice more seriously and, and, and have a crack at that. Or they might see you doing something and saying this works really well. And they think, well, how can they tell you as a client? No, like that, that, that won't work for us. And, and then you can say, well, here's examples of it working and whatnot. So there's pieces like that. I think opportunities start to come. Money follows attention is a bit of a saying. So if you can build that attention, whether it's in your personal brand or the brand of your business, then I think people can sense that energy and they can see it and it becomes like a magnet and people then come towards you. Now that ends up having a snowball effect because not only do opportunities come and then you get to talk about those opportunities and then other people learn that you do those things. So then the opportunity grows but I think for a lot of people, we don't push outwardly with marketing. So our reliance is that things will come to us. Now, what that does, and this is often what I speak to clients about, is that because we're not trying to figure out what work we're going to get, we say yes to everything that comes towards us. And then we say, I don't have time for marketing. I'm just so busy. I don't have time for branding. That doesn't work in my space. But I've got an electrician changing a $20 tap washer. And I'm like, mate, is that what you got into, you know, um, they're becoming an electrician for a plumber, sorry. And they're like, no, I want to be doing this work. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not getting the chance to do any of that because you're not actually trying to go and get it. So why I explain that is because the more that you actually do and go out with the other way, you start to say less to the things you really don't want to be doing because you're taking the action to get the things that you do want to be doing coming towards you. So you get to be like a bit of a sniper and start to just pop off the things that you do want to do. Yeah, cool. And if anyone's got any questions for, for Luke and Meryl, file them into the chat or the q and I'll be happy to answer them. Anything from how to take a selfie, best swear words to use on podcasts, uh, anything, <laughs> just ask. Um, Meryl, what, do you, what have been the benefits of your personal brand over the years? I'll give two. And then if you want mm. more, I, I can share a couple. So I started creating content to help get clients because as a new accounting firm owner, I 
didn't have any clients and wasn't really familiar with marketing or sales. So it, it did help a little bit with that, but there was actually some more, some other benefits. So one of my business partners, my US-based business partner, Wayne, he found me through content creation. So I was interviewed on a US podcast called Jetpack Workflow, which is a practice management tool over there. So he heard that. Then he came and read some income reports on our blog and then contacted me to say, hey, I think we've got values alignment. I really like what you're doing at Bean Ninjas. Can we talk? And over a period of years, that ended up with him becoming a partner. And then he now runs the US part of Bean Ninjas. So that was one unexpected benefit business partner and then something similar happened with an Australian team member where I'd had an opportunity to have an article in Acuity, the chartered accountants magazine. And you think, oh well, it took two days to do a film shoot and then have the article written. Is that good use of time when I could have could have been doing client work? But it turned out, yes, it, it was valuable. And Michael, same kind of thing. I love that you're surfing and building this lifestyle firm where you can work from anywhere in the world let's have a chat. And, and so you wouldn't think that a little bookkeeping firm, which is what we were back then, would attract Michael, who was uh, working from, he was from Ernst & Young, so big for an accounting firm. You think uh, that a bookkeeping firm wouldn't attract someone like that. So they're, they're two examples on the staffing business partner side. Mm -hmm. You've got like speaking gigs off the back of um, your stuff, hey, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I spoke, um, I think I did two in one week at five grand a pop. So it's a pretty nice feeling sending off a five grand invoice plus GST for an hour's time. Does a lot for yourself as well. I mean, obviously that's not actually how speaking works. I'm sure many of you would understand that you've got to do the work to build the attention to then have the credibility and then be good at speaking to go and charge that. But then when you have clients start to query you about, oh, I'm only going to meet with you for two and a half hours and you're trying to charge me $1,200 to understand my financials. You're like, yeah, yep, I sure am because you're looking for outcomes. You're not you're not paying for hours. You're paying for certainty, advice, support, and to get you closer to your goals. And when you in your head know, well, people are willing to pay me five grand to speak for an hour, then yes, I'm going to back myself that this client should be paying $1,200 for two hours, for instance. So you start to grow uh, as a person with just understanding the value of your time as well. And, you know, I, I, I guess part of why I've got into some of the speaking and whatnot too, is that I think in our country, uh, we're very quick when things happen in the business space to ask a professor from the university or ask an economist what's going on in the business. And I'm thinking, well, why don't we ask the CAs? We've got real live data. We're on the front line. We're speaking to business owners. We can see what's happening. And then they go and ask an economist to tell us what they think is going to happen. It's like, this is what's happened. Why is the accountant not the first person they call? So I kind of stepped into that space and thought, well, I'll take some of them on. So, you know, I got to um, achieve a bit of a goal of mine recently where I went and spoke at a at a business advisory day with some pretty big businesses in New Zealand put on by an advisory firm here. Again, I don't see that as competition to us. I see that as let's work in together. There's enough work out there if you can't win it yourself, but you've only got yourself to blame. And I got to speak later in the day. They had the economist of one of our major banks in the morning and then the accountant later on in the afternoon. I'm sort of like, wow, I've delivered on what I set out to, to do. And people loved uh, the presentation and I might be biased, but I think some of my feedback was a bit better than the economist. So winning. <laughs> I'm not always good at telling you what happened after the fact, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, 
we could we could go on about a lot of the benefits. I think that I'm keen for people to get some tips and um, have a think about you know wh where you would maybe start. So if you were starting, you know, first of January 2024, what what would be your plan, Meryl? And like you know maybe cover off some of the things that have worked and and some bit some fails that you might have done along the way. So if I was, I'd be starting with. What, what, the end in mind. So, so what am I trying to achieve with a personal brand? And and say I'm a CFO or I'm an accounting firm owner, and I'm in an industry niche. I might be trying to build a personal brand to be known in that space. So, we, with Beaninjas, it's e-commerce. But let's just say, um, for argument's sake, this is someone who wants to work with tradies and construction businesses, and I was trying to build a personal brand there. I'd be thinking about where do those people hang out. So. Are they on Instagram? Are these are they on Facebook? Is there some kind of uh, what I call rented platform where your the platform helps you to get reach? So LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, SEO with with Google that that would be a, something that can help get you reach with your content. And I'd be trying to stand out there and be known as the accountant in the in the construction industry, creating content that is helpful for business owners in that space. And then I'd be trying to get people off that rented land and onto a channel that I own. So probably in this case, an email list. So I'd be creating useful content. I'd be then saying, come and um, download this guide of the tax deductions that you should be aware of in the, in the that relate to construction businesses, opt into my email address. And then I'd be sending maybe a fortnightly newsletter about things that are relevant to finances, taxes in the construction industry. Uh, so that would be an example, but I start, what's the end in mind? And if it's to generate clients, um, then I think about who's the audience and pick the channels that are appropriate to that. And then I'd be um, yeah, creating some kind of content where it's uh, the platform is going to help me get build my audience. And then I'd be trying to take that audience back to a platform that I own, like a podcast, like a newsletter, something like that. Mm -hmm. Does that send it to your playbook, Lou? That's really good. That is really good. So I'll take a bit of a different angle just so that people, so I don't repeat um, and try to add a, some value on a different angle. So I would also be starting with the why um, of why you're doing that, which is effectively what Meryl's just said. So think about the end in mind, but then trying to figure out how you individually can stay consistent with it. Because it's not like you're just going to post a few posts and all of a sudden everyone's going to go, wow, you know, there's Luke. He's amazing. I should get him to do my accounting. That's what I thought when we started Next Advisory. We'll just go live on Facebook. Happy days, few lives, and we'll just we'll flood in. It'll be easy. This is outstanding. Can't believe no one's doing it. No one cares. So you've got to go out there and you've got to think, how can you add value? And we can all add value because we can share stories of what the work is that we're currently doing. So it could be, you know, I sat down with a plumber and I helped them go through their numbers and I really I helped them understand that their gross profit margin was actually too low compared to some of their competitors. And if they carried on down this path, they're not going to be able to pay their loans and therefore they would end up having to liquidate this business. That's the worst case scenario. So these are the things that we did to help that business and tell the story the other way of how you've helped them as an example. So the piece that I would do before or once you commit to, okay, that you're going to do this would be then to do some work on yourself because most of us don't put ourselves out there because we're scared what people are going to say, 
that we're going to get torn down by industry peers. Who does Luke think he is going out there saying that stuff? He's only been, you know, he's just started his business. He hasn't been doing that long enough and all of that stuff. And so we stop because we're scared, right? So we want to basically then go, right, that noise doesn't matter. What does matter is that I can help people. And if you're genuinely helping people, then it's hard for people to have a crack at you. So have a think about who you can help, why it's important for you to help them, and then why um, you can get yourself through the negativity or how you'll get yourself through the negativity negativity because it will come and it will happen and you'll have doubt but you'll go back to the core of why it's important for you to do what you do uh, and then like Meryl said you'll go and have a look at maybe one platform and think maybe it's LinkedIn this year or maybe it's Facebook or it's Instagram but you can write you can talk you can film which of those three um, can you do easily or the, the easiest start with that one and then maybe move to the other and that's how you start to ladder on ladder it on top I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to do everything because they see someone else doing everything and they're like we're going to start a podcast we're going to do YouTube we're going to do blogs we're going to do newsletters and you think hey like you're not going to do any of that because you don't actually you can't figure out how to do one so just start with one and then layer up from there because a lot of content can actually be repurposed across different platforms and across different um ways to put it out it's awesome advice um kind of i guess related to that you know go on linkedin for example probably where i'm most active and you know you don't have to look far and someone's telling you you got to do it this way you got to do it that way this is the algorithm the picture's got to be exactly like this shade of magenta or something like this there's so much of that stuff out there right and um my gut feeling is you, you know talking to what some of you both said you, you're in it to be authentic to be you and do it the way that works for you maybe Mo, would you agree with that like you know if you, if you want to do selfies do selfies if you want to do videos do videos it can all work kind of thing exactly i think it's it's mainly about doing something that's authentic to you and, and that plays to your strengths so what luke was talking about there's different channels you don't have to do all of them. Think about what you'd most be most comfortable with because for this to work, you need to be consistent. So I probably wrote articles for a year and a half without any tangible result in, in the first, at the beginning of being in but I still believed in content and, and trying to build that personal brand. So I think consistency is really important. So, so pick one thing and, and follow through with that But a, and experiment. So try different things. And for me, it took quite a while of just practicing to find out my voice and find out the way I wanted to communicate in my style. So I think now people know my style on LinkedIn. I've got a certain way of writing. So people could tell, oh, that's a, a post from Meryl. But that that took a while. So I did something called Ship 30 for 30, which was a writing course to help me get comfortable shipping. And so with that course, you have to publish something every day. And the real benefit of that was that you, there's no time to make it perfect. It just has to be good enough to get it out there and get feedback. If it's not great, no one will read it. So it doesn't really matter. And then you can go back and, and rework it. So that was something that made me feel uncomfortable. There's some perfectionism tendencies with being an accountant and wanting everything to be right. Uh, but I found that really helpful in, in having that challenge for myself to publish every day for 30 days and just put something out there, even if it's not to the standard that I wanted. Can I just make a quick point there? Because I think it's really important. And um, you, 
I think the worst thing that happens is no one sees your stuff, right? <laughs> I, I actually don't think that many people will throw rocks at you. I think that's because your your stuff does get read that a few people might throw rocks at you. <laughs> but we get it with clients, but I don't want to spam my clients. I'm like, your emails aren't that good enough that even anyone's going to open them yet. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you get way beyond yourself there. So I think it's a really important point of going like, at the start, do what the hell you like because no one's even looking, you know? Mm. The challenge is getting the eyeballs. So actually getting a few, few rocks thrown at you is probably a sign you're doing really well. Yeah, and on that, I, I learned something only a few years ago, and I've been doing content for, for a decade now, and it was basically that you should hope that you your content, like good content sits in the middle. So half of the people are like, no, I completely disagree, and therefore I'm going to tell you. And the other half are like, amazing, massively inspired, this is great. And this is why political content works so well, right? And ends up capturing everybody's attention and everyone's got an opinion and they spend hours and weeks of their life dedicated to shit that they can't control instead of just going back and going, okay, what's actually important to me and what can I control? Um, so, you know, you start to learn, oh, actually, you kind of do want a bit of negativity or a, a bit of stuff. And, you know, like last night I had an example where I posted something for something I'm a part of. And this guy just said, like, I call bullshit. And I just replied and said, actually, could you call your kids and get them to help you deactivate your Facebook page? Because no one needs this on our um, on our thread here. And everyone's like liking it and laughing. And it's just a bit of banter. But my first instinct is like, I should just delete this comment. But you can actually use a little bit of that negativity to have some creativity with it. Or, or you know, on LinkedIn, for instance, that's Facebook. So LinkedIn, I'll be like, that's, a, that's really interesting. I'd love to understand more about where that's coming from. Like, help me understand. And you either get a massive response or you'll get someone basically just like losing their lollies or they just won't respond at all. And then they look a bit stupid because they've gone off, but then you've said, well, help, help me understand that. That's really interesting. And then nothing there. So you, you start to learn how to deal with some of these things too. But going back to what you were talking about there, Meryl as well, it's, you know, if you can show up authentically and genuinely, it's easier to put content out because you know that you're not lying about things or trying to tell something that they should do something that you don't even know if it works or not, but you saw someone else doing or taking a selfie because everyone's taking a selfie at the moment. If that's not your thing, it's not your thing. Stick to what is, get your rhythm going and consistency is the key in adding value of all forms of content across every platform. So, so I think it's like what they say, isn't it? If you've uh, murdered somebody and you need an alibi, stick as close to the truth as you can. So then you, you know. It's, it's, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what you're reading, mate. I've never heard that. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I think about these things not <laughs> Um all right. So um we I've got I've got a couple of questions coming in. Um Stephen, so we've talked a lot we've talked a lot about social media, right? And I reckon that's when people say personal brand. That's what people think, first of all. But we've also talked about um, public speaking um, and a, a few other things. Um, it's not the only way, right? Social media, there's lots of other ways to have a personal brand. Um, I think we can, you know, we'll, that will come up as we're talking. So I think that, you know, the, um, I, I guess what I would say is, that consistency goes through what you do. Like I've just been in Sydney speaking at an accounting conference. I think you have as well, Meryl, um, a different one. You know, I'm going to talk about the same stuff there as I talk about on a webinar and I'll talk about it in the same way. I'll do the same crappy jokes. It's going to be the same me that, you know, shows up. So, yeah, and I think 
maybe to what you said as well earlier, Luke, is when people meet you, right? That's the authenticity part. It shouldn't be, because I've met a few people like that who've got quite out there brands on social, and then you meet them and you're like, that's, that doesn't quite tally with the person, you know? I don't think that's a good look. I don't know what you think. Luke, yeah, shaking your head. So yeah, that, I, yeah. I um, Maybe to move on to a second question that Stephen asked, is personal brand just as important as business brand? So I think this is a super interesting point where I think like 2023 is going to go down in marketing as the year of chat GPT. Like that's what everyone's lost their minds over. I was just saying this to Meryl before we jump on this. I don't think chat GPT is moving the needle for hardly any accounting firms really when all said and done. That's my belief. Um, not to say it's not a good tool, but what I think has been in accounting marketing, the big shift this year to me is personal brands. And I think that if you look at, let's go like back a couple of years, 2021 to now, it's vastly different. Like, you know, what people are doing on LinkedIn, content, how many like podcasts are there? What would you, so I guess um, I think your personal brand is, is coming up there as, as a vital part of the overall brand. What do you think about that, man? I think it is as well. I think people follow people. So if you're on a social media platform, I, if I look at what I post on a business page, like a Bean Ninjas or a Team Up page, if I post this, I've tried this and post the same thing on my page, it gets so much more reach on my page. I think the social media platforms are trying to support the individuals, the people more than the businesses. So if I was um, focusing on social media, then I'd be focusing on the personal side, which is why I write under my own name on LinkedIn rather than the business brand. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but I think the the related question that Steve was asking was, is a personal brand more important than a business brand? And, and so I think they're both important and it depends what your goals are. So at, at Ninjas, we still focus on building that brand as an e-commerce accounting brand and going to e-commerce events and talking about e-commerce related topics, writing content that's not so much on social media, but blog content. And that helps in generating leads for that business. But there's also been so many side benefits for me having a personal brand, partly for generating leads for that business, but just more broadly, it's been helpful. I gave a couple of examples around the, the staffing side of things, but it's just led to lots of other opportunities, like being able to invest in team up. That happened because I have a personal brand in within the accounting industry. Uh, that would have wouldn't have happened otherwise. So as we mentioned before, going back to, well, what are your goals? If it's to generate clients only, you might be able to do that with a business brand and a little bit of in-person networking. Um, if you've got broader goals than that, I think a, a personal brand can be really helpful. But it, yeah, it comes back to what you want to achieve. You've got multiple brands, Luke, right? Like, you know, not just the accounting firm. I was trying to track down all your brands. <laughs> you got many. Yeah. <laughs> but but your, your persona is playing across all of those. Like, do, do, you know, are you kind of strategic of how that all works together? or? Yeah, I was trying to think about how to answer that to give, like, the best maximum value. But I guess, like, I've got a really good example today, right? Because Next Advisory, our accounting practice, one brand, Luke and Phil, myself, my business partner, another brand, Luke Kimmies, myself, another brand. So there's sort of three across there. Now, tonight we're hosting a webinar 
Next Advisor is hosting a webinar. That's gone out to prospects and people on our email list. Now, I, I made a decision that next year, said to Phil, let's start charging for some webinars. We do so much stuff for free. We, we need to get, I'm sick of 200 people signing up and 30 people coming along. Let's get 30 people paying 100 bucks and get 25 of them turning up. Let's have a crack at that. The activator of me couldn't help myself and wait till 2024. I'm like, let's get one going in December. So I've got 34 people coming tonight who have put um, their credit card or debit details in for 100 bucks. So, and I think... 90% uh, of them aren't clients of our firm. But I'll deliver that webinar. So they're coming because of what they've learned from Next Advisory. They know, okay, like Luke's hosting it. That's clear from the outset. There's some, they either trust that. If I just said, right, Next Advisory is hosting a webinar and we're going to get Sally from next door in the HR office to host it, they might be like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. What's that all about? So you do have to sort of understand the dynamics with this, um, but you can use your personal brand to win people over into your way of thinking and get them into your company side of things as well. So they might learn from you individually and then go, oh, you've got an accounting practice. Okay, I might sign up to those emails. And then they go, well, I trusted you from over there under your personal brand. So why wouldn't I trust your company brand? And I guess we see this, we just overcomplicate it because the big four and the big firms, they still, and the lawyers at this time of year, congratulations to whoever for making partner. Well, if like their individual brand didn't really matter, like why do they go out there and promote that? You know, so I think we all, whether we like it or not, even our staff, our team, they have a value in their personal brand. And if we can teach people to understand that individually, they become more valuable too, because everybody understands this in employment when they go to get a new job. They're like, here's my CV. Here's why you should hire me. I've got a personal brand. I'm, I'm, I've got value. I can add value to your company. But then they get the job and we say like, oh, I don't do content. Oh, personal brands. Oh, who's the, you know, that's for people that love themselves. And so you don't, you don't build that. But as soon as you need another job, you're like, yes, yes, pick me, pick me. I'm really valuable. I'm way different to that person with the exact same degree. So yeah, I, I guess I probably start thinking about this stuff too far. Um, but I think going back to what Meryl said, people want to do business with people. That's what Phil and I have been massive on. So then we've promoted ourselves as Luke and then Phil and Luke and Phil and then Next Advisory sits over the top of it. And that's, you know, what all the invoices have on the top of them and whatnot and what we effectively you know operate under. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think on a simple level, like we've talked about email lists a little bit. I saw you personally, you got like 10,000 LinkedIn followers, connections, much as followers, connections. But, you know, if you doubled that, good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that, mm. sometimes we overcomplicate things, right? It's like, have, you can't have too many friends and all of those things. It's like more connections, good. Um, you know, I saw an accountant today. They got 350,000 connections on LinkedIn. Wow. Um, selling content on the back of that, all kinds of, I'll, I'll jump on the link in a minute. You know, I've seen the stuff out there a bit, 350, like you can do a lot with that, right? Like, so partly be strategic about it. You know, that's never a bad thing, but like good stuff will come out of that if you've got a big following. So I think that's important. Um, we'll move on to some other questions. A second one. We've only got people called Steve or Stephen asking questions. So this is a question from Steve, not Stephen. Um, he's saying like, I've seen a lot of AI inspired checklist posts out there. 
um easy to spot and not really authentic right and like you know not just checklist posts we're all talking about the same thing you can always see the chat <laughs> same emojis you know that kind of like in conclusion i call it like essay style it's like how you got taught to write in school which is what you need to forget if you want to be a good writer um i know what your thoughts are i mean like um what what, what do you think i mean i think in short, like taking stuff straight out of ChatGPT and slamming it into it, that's clearly inauthentic. But there's probably some good uses for AI, would you say, Meryl, in terms of different aspects of doing your, your personal brand? Definitely. So I do use ChatGPT a lot, but I never want someone to be out. I want someone to recognize a post from my style, not from ChatGPT. And I see lots of LinkedIn posts and you can clearly see the format, the emoji, the little headlines. It's just so clear. Um that it, it's kind of the same as what a lot of other people are doing. So the way I use it is that I, if I'm writing an article, this is more for long form articles because I can do LinkedIn posts pretty fast, but I get it to help me with the headline. So I'll come up with a headline and then get it to help me improve it. I'll have my outline and get it to help me write opening sentences, closing sentences for each paragraph. I'll um, test my thought process. So what do you think of this? What do you think of, of that? Am I missing something? Would you add something else in? So probably long form articles, but also titles, because I sometimes have trouble writing the title or the hook, the opening bit to get someone to read something. So that's how I use chat GBT, but I'm very careful that it's my idea and then I'm editing it. So it sounds like me, but I think it actually is better to post nothing than to post something, copy and paste from chat GBT. It detracts from your brand, I would say. So best not to Best is not to post anything if that's the only choice. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, what what are your thoughts on ChatGPT and AI in this realm, Luke? Yeah, I think it's there to aid you to help you when you get blocked a little bit and maybe help you write a better title and um, improve your creativity. It's just going to make creative people more creative, I think. But it doesn't mean that someone that's dull and can't write is all of a sudden going to become a great writer. I just don't think that that, you know, that, that works that well. So I think it is easy to spot. I've spotted it with people replying on my posts. I think I've seen you I've reply seen to my posts. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mate, you don't talk like this. You don't even know this stuff. I've, I know you. What are you, what's going on here? Um, mate, I saw one, I saw one this week and it was a guy I used to work with and he's, yeah, I'm not going to say who it is because, but anyway, he was posting um, like an obituary. I think it's on ChatGPT. It had in conclusion at the bottom. I'm like, oh, just, no. and it was like, my heart felt this. I'm like, it's oh. not heartfelt. <laughs> You've just put oh. ChatGPT and asked him yeah. to do it. I can't prove that, but I'm pretty sure. And it's like, I thought that's a pretty stark example of what not to do, isn't it? You know, like, mm -hmm. if you're going to be heartfelt, be heartfelt. Otherwise, don't do it. You know, yeah. say nothing. I'll give you a practical use, though. I was asked by a organization, could I record a couple of videos for them to explain some accounting slash tax treatments? And I said, yeah, no worries. I'll jump on the whiteboard here. And I'll make you a video off my camera, real raw. And I can I can just do that. I've done enough work now and practice that to basically just be able to stand there off the cuff and speak for provisional tax or what's claimable for a minute, say, right? And they said, great, can we review the script? And I'm like, oh, script? Uh, yeah, of course you can. And so chat GPT, hey, please help me write a script on what they wanted. And then I got it. Okay, this is 
not too bad. Yep, I could talk about it in this angle, flesh out, tidy up the 20%. Here's the script. What do you think? Wow, that's great. Thanks so much. Could you make four more? I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. What type, what, what would you want talked about? And so all of a sudden, then bang, recording five videos for them. Where, but that's a little bit not me because then I'm having to read almost like word for word, but I'm 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 playing with it and changing it to how I'd like to do it. Uh, but my true style would be stand up there, deliver it, get it out. And it's not perfect. There might be the old mistake in it. But when someone's paying you for that, they're like, hey, actually, hang on. We want to review the script. We want to make sure the CEO is happy, et cetera. So you know, I think it definitely has its place. Um, but again, you've got to figure out how you can use it. Same thing. I had a client ask me, do you have a template for increasing our prices? And I said, uh, no, yeah, yeah, I'll send it over to you after this. And so chat GPT, hey, I want to increase my prices. I'm a small New Zealand business. Um, please write me a template. There we go. And I thought, okay, please write me four more. One's harsher, one's gentler, um, and one is in this sort of tone. Bang, bang, bang. Whack them all into a Google Doc. I went on social media and I said, hey, guys, we've been asked for a template for increasing prices. We've got a few examples to get you started. If you'd like them, let me know. Go back on Instagram an hour later. Like, yes, please, this would be amazing. That'd be great. Can you please send it to me? You're sending over a, a, a sheet, right? Now, you could say, well, that's not very authentic. That's not very genuine. That's 10 business owners that have now got a tool that they can now have more confidence to increase their prices to therefore combat inflation to protect the margins in their business and the sustainability of their business. So, you know, you can either lean into it or you can demonize it or whatever, but I think it's coming for us. So we might as well have some fun with it along the way. Yeah, I mean, like, and and who knows, it's like economists, isn't it? Or all these like kind of experts on AI who came up the woodwork as soon as ChatGPT came out that, you know, it's either, you know, people are either like, it's going to change the world and like we're all done or it doesn't matter, you know, and, and the truth is somewhere in between. Here's how I think about it. Um, it's just an assistant, isn't it? It's a writing assistant. It's a content assistant. So just like you might hire an assistant, you know, a junior, an intern, or something like, let's say an intern, right? That's a good way to think about it. You've got an intern. So you're like, write me four of those templates. You're not just going to like not look at them and then send no. them to, and, and even more so, you're not just going to be like, just come up with some stuff. I just need some stuff. You've got to tell them exactly. So, you know, you've got to brief the thing properly and you've got to evaluate it taking the thing straight out of there, that's not the point to me. It's just something that gets you moved along. So it's like, you know, give me some ideas of topics to write about. Okay. You know, you were saying the titles, Meryl. So I think it's really useful if you see it as an assistant. It's not a, giving you the end product. It's just giving you some ways in. And um, it, similar to what you were saying, like one of the best uses I've seen, Luke, is um, I did an interview with one of our clients about payroll, payroll marketing, and really good tips. I did it like question, answer format, like so really kept it clean in terms of being able to then chop that up, feed them into chat GPT, give me a transcript. I had a eight-part email course came out in about 20 minutes. So, you know, like, and we just talked, we just talked for 25 minutes and then it bombed this whole piece of content could come out. So that kind of grunt work that like, you know, we'll say, yeah, but it's not doing anything that I wouldn't do, but would you really sit there and transcribe a call? You never would. So you're actually mm -hmm. getting something that you wouldn't have. And I think that can be incredibly useful for repurposing content and then using that in your personal brand. Yeah. 
let's not get stuck on AI anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the um, how do you measure success? Maybe back over to you, Meryl. Like you know, we sort of talked about that a little bit, but do you um, just some solid metrics? Because something I've been thinking about as both you've been talking. Read the book Atomic Habits. And then, you know, in that, there's kind of like, it's like a graph and it's like a line, success is here. And then there's like a line going up like this and it's like failure, 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 success. And it's like you said with the IQ30 articles or whatever it is, a year's worth of content. Was that stuff a failure or was that just the foundation of success? So I'm kind of interested in that of like, it's hard to measure some of this stuff, but then, you know, it's clearly working for you. So in terms of metrics and measuring success, so I've got a, well, probably four different brands that I'm tracking. So with Beaninjas, there's a spreadsheet where we're tracking everything like website growth, number of email subscribers, new email subscribers. So they're not, they're things that we can't exactly control. So they're the outcomes. And then we also track the inputs of, uh, did we publish an article every week? Uh, did we publish a newsletter every second week? So I do that. We have that kind of tracking spreadsheet for the business brands that I'm involved with. With the personal brand, I'm not tracking the outputs. I'm tracking the inputs at the moment. So am I publishing on LinkedIn at least three times a week? Am I publishing a weekly episode of the Lifestyle Accountant Show? And I feel like success will come, but it's still early days. Even though I've been active on LinkedIn, I haven't really had a strategy around that. I've just been trying to improve my writing. But next time, try to get more active, be more consistent, talk about some of the same topics. Um, but I don't have a specific outcome in mind. I just feel like good things will happen from creating useful content. And the same with the podcast. It's only was launched in January. So at the moment, I'm focusing on trying to improve the quality of the episodes and just consistently publish. And down the track, maybe I'll get more specific with what I hope to see, but I, I feel like there will be a benefit. I don't know exactly what it is and I'm not worrying about that yet. I'm focusing on the content creation part for now. Yeah, nice. As, a, as someone who's done a lot of marketing over the years, attribution, as we call it in marketing, like this got me this, is one of the biggest bullshit metrics. <laughs> you don't know. This is some things that I've learned. It is... The more marketing you do, the better. <laughs> like generally, you know, it's like the months we do best, I always analyze it with the team and we're like this, this, this. It's the ones we did the most stuff. <laughs> so that, that's that's just the truism of marketing. And you'll never know, right? Like it's like some people might come to this webinar, read my ebook, follow me on LinkedIn, and then they book a demo. Which bit did it? Was it all of them? What 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 was that mix? So you'll never know um, mm -hmm. exactly. So, sometimes you kind of do, but what was that thing? It's hard to know, isn't it? So, yeah. What are your thoughts on metrics, Lou? Yeah, I'm a pretty high level guy. So as an example, like if I take you back to day one, we sat in Fiji, Phil and I, and we said that in five years time, we want to basically be able to say like, no, we've got a wait list. And and we've, we've basically achieved that. Now, we still take on clients. We're at year six and into year seven, but we turn away more work than what, um, you know, than we take on each year. And um, what then that led to is like, hang on, we had to then go and find like partner accounting firms to give them to, to know that they would still be looked after. And so then we got to the point where we're like, hey, we're bringing you hot leads that you're signing on because they trust us. 
can we please get a referral fee to then subsidize or pay back our marketing spend? And they're like, yeah, absolutely no problem because these are the easiest clients for us to convert. I'm like, perfect. But at year zero, that wasn't our thinking. So, you know, full transparency, we spend 50 grand a year on marketing. And in New Zealand, that is probably, that probably makes some accounting firms sick. They would be like, what a waste of money. We started with zero clients. So we had to take a different approach. And the way that I justify that in my head and feel too is that if a client stays with us for five years or even two, we can very easily make back that $50,000 with the lifetime value of a client, depending on the type of work they do. And yes, there'll be some wasted spend, but it's not really wasted because they end up in our area. They've heard of us. They um, are on our email list, for instance, and tonight 25 of them who don't transact with us are like, yeah, I'll give you a hundred bucks and hear what you've got to say on the webinar tonight. And, you know, that audience build, once you have that audience, like you said before, then it's your job as a business owner and an entrepreneur to figure out, okay, how do we take, you know, this person further down the journey and how do we help them? And so we have people that come in here and they say, oh, I've been listening to you guys for 18 months. And sometimes Phil and I are like, why did you take 18 months to get in touch? And, you know, but that's just how long it takes for them. And other people that come in and say, you know, I've been listening to the podcast for this long, or I've done 200 episodes of your guys' stuff, uh, or I've had your business planning template for two years. And we're kind of thinking, geez, like, why does it take so long? But it does, you know, and there are things you can do to speed up that process. But the more you give a little bit like what Meryl said before, you just have this, when you start to see it happening, you don't really need the oh, we know that that dollar spent in September led to four in October because we can perfectly track that. You start to get to the point where you're like, well, this client's come on, they're spending 20 grand a year and they decided to do that in an eight minute conversation. Shit, we're glad that we did those podcasts, et cetera. So you start to be able to make sense of it at a much higher level and know that it, it is working for you. I think that's a really, like, you know, I'm going to ask one more question, but I think that's a really important part to end is that this stuff's a little bit fuzzy, in my opinion, like not just personal branding, but the world of marketing now, because content is such an important part of that. It's not fuzzy in the fact that, you know, you look at your P&L and it keeps growing and all of that. But yeah, to, to, to tie that back, you know, ROI is such a, it annoys the hell out of me when I talk to accountants saying, what's the ROI on this? I'm like, what's your lifetime value? Because that's the question I always ask them. Like, what's your lifetime value? Like, I don't know. Well, I can't tell you the ROI, can I? You know? yeah. It's like, you know, it, it, it's such a, yeah. It, anyway, don't get me started on that stuff. But like um, the way success works with this stuff is weird. Like you say, people buy when they're ready, not when you are. It can be very long, that sales cycle. And and some can be really quick. Some can take two years. So it, it it's a funny thing. But I think hopefully you can see it's worth doing. For us, that final question, um, What's the best place for people to follow you? Happy people to connect with you on like LinkedIn. Is that a good place to jump off and then find your other stuff? Yeah, for me, it's LinkedIn is is the best place. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna drop um I'm gonna drop the LinkedIn's in the chat. Yeah. No, LinkedIn. Uh, same as you, Luke. Yeah, LinkedIn for me, if you want to you know, have a look at the way that I do things and maybe even copy some of it, I, I don't mind. Um, and, you know, Next Advisory, if you have a look at our Instagram and whatnot. I think as well, there was something that I thought of before, and I'll, I'll forget this. So 
One thing that we are bad at as humans is that we are very quick to see the Kardashians and Mr. Beast and all these people and someone in our industry and think, well, wow, they've got 10,000 followers. They've got 20,000 followers. What's the point? Um, or we we look at Americans and stuff and we see they've got 50 million and you're like, what's the point, you know, trying to get 2,000 connections on LinkedIn? But, you know, 10% of, oh, sorry, 10,000 people on LinkedIn if in New Zealand, we've only got around 550,000 business owners. If they were all business owners, you know, you're reaching potentially two to 5% of every business owner in the country. That's unbelievable. And you can do it for free. So don't compare your figures to international figures and what you're seeing on YouTube with these big followings and Instagram and stuff. And therefore thinking, well, there's no point in having a crack because all it takes is a small audience win them over, convert 3% of them, and your life changes. Totally, mate. I, I only got like 4,000 followers on LinkedIn, yet, you know, we get work out of that regularly. We get other opportunities have come out of that. That opportunity to connect with the right people as well, not just potential clients, but industry people as well. You know, I did a six-figure deal that just came through me congratulating somebody on them getting a job at a, at a company. Um, there's huge opportunities that can come through that stuff. So yeah, I think it's um, I think it's massive. Um, before I ask that final question and keep those questions coming in, I'm gonna drop this in here. Um, we put together a little form here because um, I think there's potential here to do a more in-depth training, like a more kind of um tactical kind of side of things so if anyone's interested in that fill in that form um we're thinking about putting together like a, like a training product or service um i just want to gauge some interest on that and um if you are we'll, we'll get back to you with some information in the in the next couple of weeks but yeah my final question we can just do this as a quick one Meryl, what what's your kind of thing that you're going to do different or keep doing you know that's been really working in 2024 think the future is all about video mm -hmm. so I want to get more into video but I still need to get some foundations in place with my before I focus on that so getting ramping up the newsletter for the lifestyle accountant show I'm in the middle of moving my personal website merylljohnston.com to mm -hmm. webflow uh, so there's a few foundational things that I need to improve and uh, and then later in 2024 for me I want to get way better at video yeah cool how about you Lou? oh well i try and summarize this really quickly so two two things firstly one remember that content is an asset so we're, what we're doing is we're just reposting old videos from months ago you've got new followers in that time you might get them in front of people and people are commenting saying oh, i watched that video and i'm like should i post that in april but we're reposting it in october same thing with um, blogs and stuff so once you've got the content remember it's actually an asset it's not like right it's been and gone LinkedIn seems to be absolutely flying at the moment. So there's good engagement there. Hectic, uh, so I call it like a hectic, like a hack slash a tactic is don't just think about yourself on there. Have a look at what's in the feed. So it might be someone looking for, um, you know, somebody who needs a website designer. If you've got a client that's a website designer, screenshot that to your client. Hey, thought of you, maybe this is something you can do. Geez, my accountant's thinking about me. They're looking for opportunities for me. This is weird. This doesn't normally happen. Tag them in it. You know, think about how you can add value to other people. And eventually it comes back around. 
Now, I'm working on a big project for Next Advisory at the moment, and Phil and I have been putting this together. And basically, we're going to try what, sorry, I need to stop saying that. We are introducing a subscription-based advisory offering in 2024. And what that looks like is at the moment, $100 a week, they get a community group of business owners. We have a weekly call if they want to come to that. This is nothing new. This is happening in all sorts of different areas. Um, there's a classroom of different content that people can work through, know your numbers, setting up your bank accounts so that you can move money aside, tidying up your money hygiene, and trying to get 100 winning business owners from around New Zealand in there so that we can lift each other up and solve problems. And there's a network. Here's the best mortgage advisor in the country. Here's what you need to do if you're looking for finance, et cetera, et cetera, to speed up their journey. So I'm working on that ferociously in the background. I'm about to start the process of trying to get people to commit to that. So I've got to figure out, do I actually have the chops and do people value that to pay the money to do it? But the reason I tell you that is because what that's going to do is it's going to give us a whole heap of content ideas as well. So people are going to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. And then I go to Phil and say, mate, bang, podcast topic, let's roll. We write that one down. We do 30 minutes as a podcast on that as well. And we keep then talking about this came out of the winners community, which is what we've called it. So this question came from the winners community. Here's an answer about it. Oh, well, what's the winners community? Well, come back over here. And so then it starts to snowball, right? So basically, we're going to now start to monetize all of the brand that we've built over this last six years and start to actually get some people going, okay, now I want to go from the free content uh, to the paid. And then all that's going to do is give us more content opportunities off the back end of it as well. So just a few things. Yeah, a little bit to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's awesome. And that's awesome. Just that, just one that like, it's the big things is what you said. One little thing in all of that. And I think this is a great place for people to start. So maybe it's a good place to end commenting like we're talking about content a lot and actually going on other people's stuff and commenting. There's a few people on LinkedIn who are like content bullshit. Really what you should do is just comment on other people's stuff. There's people who do not make their own content. They just comment really usefully on other people's stuff. I reckon there's a heap in that. Like you can make a lot of difference doing that and get used to all of the things we've been talking about without thinking I've got to write a bleed. Yeah. I'm yeah. You're so right, mate, because once you build a following, and I'm sure, Meryl, you're the same, I see people commenting on my stuff like straight away, and I'm like, oh, sometimes I delete it. I'm like, no, you go and build for yourself. Stop trying to leverage off of my stuff and uh, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, but we're coming up to the hour. Um, I really appreciate you guys um, putting the time in. Obviously, people can connect with you um, through LinkedIn and then see all, all the kind of stuff we've been talking about in action. Um, we'll send out that form and a few other bits and bobs after the um, after the session, so by the end of the week. Um, and yeah, if you want to, if you would like to do something like this that's kind of like a paid product or service, we're really thinking about doing that. We just want to gauge some interest, start a conversation going, let us know through that form. Um, but otherwise, thanks, Meryl. Thanks, Luke, for making the time. That's been been really cool chatting. And um, for everyone else, thanks for making time at the end of the year. Have a good holidays. And let's do some of this stuff in 2024. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Great. Bye.